Everyone struggles with fear, anxiety, depression, addiction, or some emotional issue. But what if I told you that you could exchange that life for one of victory? Are you interested? My name is Mark McKinn, and I'm joined with Dr. John Woodward. And together, we want to guide you into a complete and victorious identity in Christ. Our desire is for everyone to know Christ as Savior, Lord, and life, so that you can live victoriously, disciple strategically, and counsel effectively. Welcome to Glimpses of Grace. Welcome to Glimpses of Grace, episode 29. It is good to be back in the studio with you, Dr. John. You know, a couple of weeks ago when we got those 10 inches of snow, I wondered if we would ever leave again. Well, those of you who live in a warm climate, you might say, oh, I've never seen snow. And those from Canada might say, oh, that's nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I guess we should preface that with, we don't get a lot of snow where we are. So for us to go from maybe a couple of inches here and there to 10 inches at one time, it was it was a pretty phenomenal event there. You didn't really have a lot where you are. You're up higher on the mountain than I am, and I'm in the valley. We got a lot of snow. So the schools were closed and those, those sort of issues, and uh, now we have uh, good weather today and looking forward to uh, another busy week as we have counseling and opportunities like doing this podcast. And some of you parents that were stuck in the house for 15 days with your kids, you may need to reach out and get some help. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, one of my boys, this is when you know you've been in the house a long time, John. One of my boys actually said to me, Dad, I need to go back to school. Wow. That's when I knew we had been in the house too long. Sure indication. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's good to have everybody with us. We're excited about today's episode. Before we jump in, though, Dr. John, you have a word for us. Well, you asked me to read the scripture as we get started in these episodes, Mark, and one that came to mind today is from Hebrews chapter 13, and the book ends after talking about the persecution of early believers and the amazing blessings we have as those in the new covenant and having that great high priest of our Lord Jesus. And and then the, the epistle ends with this benediction, now may the God of peace, and I think the Hebrew writer's And readers would probably think, oh, that's Shalom, and it is, who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work. And I love this next phrase, Mark, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. So praise the Lord that he's working in us by his grace to enable us to walk in newness of life. Yeah. No, that's a great that's a great word. Well, I'm excited about this episode, John. So, you know, we try to do topics that are relevant to where people are and also that are also helpful to people who are in our counseling ministry, our coaching ministry. We want to do things that are going to be helping people who attend some of our seminars because of course it's a lot of information when you come to one of our seminars because we're really trying to teach you everything that we know in the midst of one day. And so you and I had this idea to, you know, have a podcast so that we could take one of these topics and spend a little bit more time on that. And this is one of those. And in fact, I use this a lot in coaching. I'm sure you use this in counseling. And so when I was asking you right before we started recording, you know, how do we jump into this? Because we we call this talk crowded to Christ And you brought up a good point, and I hear this often. That is, Mark, John, 
God will never put more on me than I'm able to handle. But yet we know that we're all facing trials, difficulties, circumstances, and we all want to why. Every one of us. Why is this happening? And I think this is going to be a great episode to help people understand a little bit more of how God is using, maybe not the originator of these, but but definitely using these in order to bring a purpose about. Because usually when we hear um, that statement, it sounds reasonable and compassionate. God won't allow us to deal with more than we can handle. But as we explore this topic, Mark, in this conversation, we're going to see that sometimes actually God does allow us to experience more than we can humanly handle, not because he is harsh or incompassionate, but so that we can discover a new source of living. And mm-hmm. so that's where the brokenness concept comes in. Yeah. I like to tell people when, when we look at this, I believe sometimes God is using these trials in our life. Uh, we, we're going to call that providential pressure, and I'm sure you'll talk about that in a second. But really what he's doing is he's trying to show us that our self-sufficiency isn't sufficient. Right. Let's talk about this for a second, though, because a lot of people think trials either mean one of two things. I don't have faith or I've done something wrong. That's not always the truth. In fact, I always think about when Jesus tells the disciples, I want you to get into the boat and go to the other side of the lake. That is when the storm rises up. They feel like they're going to die. Jesus comes walking on the water toward them, right? And I think it's important to be reminded, though, the disciples weren't in disobedience. They were in obedience. They were doing exactly what Jesus said for them to do. So these trials are not always a lack of faith, nor are they, I've done something wrong. But in fact, what we're going to see is maybe it is something God using to bring us closer to him. Now, we use this talk called Crowded to Christ, but there's also a book called Crowded to Christ uh, by L.E. Maxwell, and uh, I think he, was he a president of a school in Canada? Is that right? Exactly. Um, president of Prairie Bible Institute in um, Alberta, Canada. And uh, they were and are known for their missionary emphasis in terms of training people for the ministry, especially back when Ellie Maxwell was leading it. And he was known to relate the victorious Christian life to the Great Commission. What a great combination, right, Mark? Yeah. Um, and so this book, Crowded to Christ, is his way of saying that God does use trials, that he does use what we call providential pressure, God who is over all things and nothing happens without his permission. We call it providence. And pressure, meaning God providentially orchestrates circumstances to teach us certain lessons. And that's why in James chapter 1, you know, let this trial have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So Ellie Maxwell points out that the message that you and I seek to unpack um, episode by episode, he relates it to the concept that often it's when we are desperate, when we are overwhelmed, that we're actually more receptive and more appreciative of discovering our new identity in Christ. Mm. Wow. Yeah, that's really good. Now, I was thinking back to, of course, I've heard Dr. Solomon teach this, and I've heard you teach this several times. And one of the things that jumped out to me is, and I don't remember if it was you that said it or Dr. Solomon, maybe it was both, how the world is divided into two things, pleasures 
and afflictions. And I was thinking about that because I heard one of you say, you know, I'm more afraid of the pleasures than the afflictions. You know, and because of that is because afflictions make us turn to God, but the danger is being carried away by the good things that God has given us. And it made me think of, and if I've said this story before on the podcast, I apologize, but my mentor, uh, and what actually I would call him my spiritual father, it's actually uh, right about this time that he passed away a couple of years ago. He's a great, great man. I remember one time him saying to me, John, I've never prayed that God would give me a million dollars. And of course, I looked at him kind of weird, and I thought, that would be a good thing, wouldn't it? And he said, you want to know why? And I said, yes. And he said, I'm afraid he'll give it to me. And, of course, I had a inquisitive look upon my face because I'm thinking, you know, pay my house off, be, you know, pay my debt off, pay, you know, put some money away for uh, my kid's college, give money to Grace Fellowship. You know, I'm just thinking all these things that I could do. I don't, I wouldn't want to use it all for myself. And he said, the problem, Mark, is that you would stop praying for your daily bread. It would be the pleasure that would take you away. And so as I've thought about that and I've, and I've thought about this, you know, it, it's really amazing. And I think even, you know, we've mentioned this uh, devotion before, None But the Hungry Heart, but July uh, the 6th, he kind of talks about this as well in that, the, that idea. But, but let's jump in because sometimes, right, God is going to use these, as you said, providential pressures and he's bringing us somewhere, right? He's taking us a journey. So explain that a little bit. It reminds me, Mark, that Moses warned the Israelites that when they entered into the promised land, this land described as flowing with milk and honey, that then they might forget God's redemption. They may forget their blessings, their covenant responsibilities, um, because things were now easier. And so likewise, as you mentioned, the pleasures can actually cause us to let down our guard or take for granted some things that we need to be vigilant about. It's interesting that in the seven churches in the book of Revelation, uh, chapter 2 and 3, the only two that were not um, straying from God's purpose and needed to be corrected were the ones that were dealing with some significant persecution. And so that persecution kept them humble and dependent. Yeah. So when Dr. Solomon published a book about testimonies of those who were helped by the message of the Christ-centered life through his ministry in Grace Fellowship, we titled it Discipling the Desperate. Mm. Can you guess why we chose that title? Yeah, well, they were desperate, right? Right. And often when we are desperate, when we're feeling that we are near the end of our own resources, that that actually is an opportunity for us to be more teachable, more mm. receptive, because we're realizing that our own resources are not adequate. Like you've said, Mark, we're realizing that our self-sufficiency is insufficient, and so we're going to be talking a little bit more about how this process often works in terms of us being crowded to Christ, as Ellie Maxwell would put it, or how different trials and difficulties can get our attention and lead us to uh, some new discoveries. For those of you who are a little bit more visual in your learning, when we're teaching this or we're drawing this, I want you to imagine... Uh, basically five triangles that would be, um, you know, 
vertical, almost like a Christmas tree. So a large triangle at the bottom, and then the next one a little bit smaller, a little bit smaller, a little bit smaller, all the way up. So you're, you've got these five triangles stacked on top of one another, uh, each at the tip of the triangle being a cross. And you'll explain that in a second, Dr. John. And then really kind of a, a squiggly line, just kind of going in and out within the triangles. Um, and, and the bottom being physical birth. So that's the beginning of life. That's the, the beginning of our earthly journey. But on each side of the triangle, on the left side, let's say you have life experience. And on the right side, you have spiritual standards. So walk us through this, this, this bottom triangle and what that means. So our listeners are picturing the idea of a triangle, so wide at the bottom, and then it goes to a point, and the point, as you said, has a cross. And so um, we are learning uh, about life experiences um, that are not working out the way we hoped, but on the other side, we are learning more about our need for God. And probably the most famous example of this, Mark, would be the story of the prodigal son, right? Mm. So he leaves home, Dad, I want my inheritance money now, very right. disrespectful, rebellious. He goes and he squanders it in riotous living. So Mark in the story, when did the prodigal son decide to go back and get right with his dad? It's all over, right? I mean, he's he's realizing my father's servants have it better than I am. I mean, here I am with the pigs, so... I might as well go home and be a servant to be better than where I'm at now. So at that point, we would say that this young man was crowded to the cross of salvation. He said, this is really embarrassing that this pig food looks really good, especially for a Jewish boy right. um, looking at something so unkosher. So it was when he was out of friends, out of money, out of opportunities that he said, I'm going to go and see if I can make things right with my father in a similar way. Our Lord is using that parable in Luke chapter 15 to say that we need to come back to our Heavenly Father in repentance and faith and be saved, and uh, then there's a great celebration in heaven. Mm -hmm. So it's often when we are going through trials that we realize, I need God. And Mm -hmm. the first triangle in our diagram is God crowding us to salvation. And many of our listeners might think back, and when they received the Lord as their personal Savior, chances are it was when they were made aware of their need, and often that awareness comes by what we're calling providential pressure or challenges or difficulties. A combination of learning more about God, but then seeing that they were not able to get right with God based on their performance or their religious activity, and they needed the cross, they needed grace. One of the things that I've heard you say as you're explaining this, and it is so powerful, is the what-if the mom, let's say, now we we don't know if there was a mother, but let's say there was, if she was secretly sending him more money, that would be enabling him to continue to do what he was doing. I think that's important because part of our prayer when hardship is coming is get me out. And I think it's important for us to understand that God is not going to send the rescue helicopter, drop the basket, and pull you out. But what he is going to do is lead you through. And and I think that's really important, that as you're moving forward, his grace is not just matching, but exceeding your outward pressure. And so it's not that whatever you're going through right now, it's not that, okay, I'm still going through it, so God doesn't love me. No, 
he may be taking you somewhere, as you're talking about here, maybe it's to salvation, or as we'll keep going up, you'll you'll give some more. It's that he does love you. But he's not forsaken you in the midst of this. He's right there with you. Right. And so as we look at this concept further in the discipleship and counseling process, most of the people that God leads to ministries like ours have this personal relationship with God through the gospel, but they're struggling. And we all struggle. But um, when we're talking about the counseling context is when, as a believer, I've come to the first cross of, we'll call it the cross of salvation, but now my, my Christian life isn't working. Mm-hmm. I'm struggling in my marriage, or, or I'm having mental and emotional problems, or I'm wrestling with, with this sin pattern or addiction I can't break. And now we're saying, God, what am I missing? Mm-hmm. And so the next theme that we talk about in our teaching is being crowded to Christ as, as Lord. And that brings us to Romans 12, 1 and 2. Mm-hmm. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Amen, brother. And notice that that's written to believers. I urge you by the mercies of God. So they've come through what we're describing as this triangle of being crowded to Christ as Savior. by saying, now I'm appealing to you to really crown Jesus Lord of Lords in your life. Mark, what else would you like to say about that concept of full surrender to the Lord? I know it's one of the major themes of coaching as well. I think it's important just to understand that the Christian life is not about you working harder, but about you surrendering and allowing Holy Spirit to work in and through you. And we've talked about these before, that not only is surrender important, but so is trust. Because you'll never surrender to anything or anyone that you don't fully trust. And I've shared on the podcast before, I think it was on the surrender episode about how God really brought me my providential pressure when I was really struggling with uh, my wife and my first son when he was born. God really, you know, leading me to give them up and my fear of him taking them away from me. But, you know, Dr. John, you sometimes use the story of Jonah here when God has commanded him to go to Nineveh and then he goes in the opposite direction. And of course, you know, God sends the storm. He's swallowed up uh, by the fish. But man, when he spit out, he is running toward God and doing what God would, would have him to do. And so I think it's also important here to realize that we are going to fail. We've never been called to be perfect. I imagine Jonah getting spit up on the shore and his GPS saying, recalculating, recalculating. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to run away from God. I'm going to walk with him and fulfill his mission. And so that's, thank you for reminding us of that illustration from the book of, of Jonah, that prophet. And so you and I need to realize that if we are going contrary to God's will for our life, he loves us enough to correct his children. Mm. Those of us who are privileged to be parents, know that it's because we love our children that we have boundaries, that we have uh, teachable moments, that we have discipline. But it's always motivated in love, and it's educational, and it's corrective. We're not there with a gavel to, to punish them. We're there to correct them. And so Hebrews twelve six says that for whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. So sometimes God will bring corrective trials into our life to get our attention. And uh, the purpose, again, not is to punish, but to correct. And so if you're going through this, friends, where you're going through trials, and if we were to ask you, to what extent have you surrendered 
your relationships to the Lord, your rights to the Lord, that you see your life as a stewardship. Well, this could be the main lesson that God is crowding you to today, is to say, Lord, I want to yield to you so that I will really value your will as supreme in my life. Yeah. So the first triangle is leading us to salvation. We become spiritually alive. The second triangle leads us to surrender. So, you know, we're we're fully available now to God. We're saying, yes, you're working through me. So it's not based on what I do. Uh, it's not based on my potential. It's based on the finished work of Christ. Now he is indwelling me, working through. So now we come to the third triangle. Now this one is leading us to identification. Some of you may have heard of a book called They Found the Secret by former Chancellor of Wheaton College, V. Raymond Edmund. And the 20 biographies there, people like Hudson Taylor, D.L. Moody, Amy Carmichael, there's often a pattern of salvation, service, then kind of a disillusionment like, Mm. boy, I'm just running out of gas here. What am I missing? And then a discovery of union with Christ and a new meaning of our identification with the Lord. And Mm. And our mentor and founder of Grace Fellowship, Charles Solomon, had this pattern where he was saved at age 18. At age 27, he surrendered, so God crowded him to that point. He actually said in his prayer to God, Lord, I give you full control of my life, and by the way, if you want to take my life, it's okay with me. So that, that qualifies as being desperate. Mm-hmm. But thankfully, um, he was able to surrender and keep moving forward in this crowded to Christ process. But it wasn't until Charles was uh, 35 years of age that here again, Mark, being crowded to Christ, he says in his testimony, I could not go on another day mm. in that October day in 1965. And he was head of the deacons in his church. He had memorized many scriptures through the Navigator's topical memory system. He had read a lot of devotional literature. And yet, it never dawned on him the real meaning of Galatians 2.20. But that day, the Holy Spirit took it from his head to heart. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Right. And the life I now live in this body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And when the Holy Spirit quickened that uh, to the heart of, of Chuck Solomon, there was a, a crisis, a transformational change that occurred. And in his case, he was definitely crowded mm-hmm. to that cross of identification. And some of our listeners might say, amen, I've had a similar experience where I have surrendered to God the best I knew how, but it wasn't until I felt that I could not handle life on my own strength, that then I was receptive and appreciative of learning this message that you and I celebrate and unpack uh, in this podcast, namely our union with Christ and his co-death and our co-resurrection with him. I usually use my burnout in 2015. I think that was really how God was crowding me to understand identification. Of course, that's when I came to Grace Fellowship because I always think it's important for people to understand. Yes, I am the executive director, but I was a, I'm a former client too. This works. That's why when Dr. Solomon passed away and the board was meeting about what we were to do, I, I was one of the first to say, as everyone, we, we can't stop doing this. We mm-hmm. have not only do we need to just keep we need to make it bigger. We need to get this out because it works. It helps. And I think to hear about Peter. Jesus is saying, I'm going to be crucified, and uh, you know somebody's going to deny me, right, if they're sitting around the table. And of course, it's Peter. It's like, not me. I won't deny you. And then, you know, he's the one cutting off the ear of, you know, one of those that are coming to arrest Jesus. And then, of course, we read about him denying Jesus three times, just like Jesus said he would. 
And that's him being crowded, definitely. I mean, wow. that's a lot of stuff happening in a short amount of time. We also see the restoration, and I think that's important for all of us to realize that Jesus wants to be your life source. He's not just your Lord and your Savior. He's your Lord, your Savior, and your life. And that is not to ruin you. It's to empower you. I think that's really important. That story that you describe about Peter is so helpful because when we read that he went out and wept bitterly, that just echoes you know, in my heart when I think, imagine how heartbroken Peter was that he denied the Lord when just the night before he said, Lord, these fellows may deny you, but I'm not going to. I'm willing to die with you. The other fellow said, yeah, same, same with us. So that which we would describe as a brokenness event in Peter's life, as you said, Mark, is actually um, a wonderful path to his discovering the miracle of Pentecost, where he was filled with the Holy Spirit and then became such a powerful witness to the resurrection of Christ in the early church. And remember, as we're talking about these things, that God is using these life experiences, but also these spiritual standards. And he's using both of those as he's crowding us. If we come to this identification, as you just said, Dr. John, I've been crucified and buried. And that's important because what is dead gets buried. But I've been resurrected. So I'm a new creation. I'm, I've ascended with him. I have authority. And I think maybe for a lot of people right there, they're probably like, all right, well, I'm three triangles in. This is, this is good. But the fourth one is really important, and that is liberation, the freedom from strongholds. Explain that one to us. Well, I remember years ago, someone who was learning this truth, reading Handbook to Happiness, studying his Bible, and... Uh, he really made progress in these first crowded to Christ triangles of salvation, of surrender, and then he came into identification, had a new appreciation mark for his identity and grace. But he had been in the military, sowed a lot of wild oats, and these these moral failures kept snagging him and, and causing him to trip up. And I talked to him about the idea of the freedom in Christ process, where you intentionally screen out of your belief system any residual lies that are there. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, it, but it took him about a year of me occasionally getting a call from him and hearing him moan and groan about uh, his uh, besetting sins. How about going through that process? So I finally said, all right, let's do it. So we, we had a couple of uh, uh, video calls where we walked through this curriculum by our friends at Freedom of Christ Ministries, The Seven Steps to Freedom of Christ by Neil Anderson. And we got to that third step about forgiving others. And Mark, that's usually one of the major freedom yeah. steps, right? Yeah. And he had some major issues that needed to be dealt with there. And after that, he had a new freedom and also a new chapter of ministry opened for him. Mm. So here's sometimes, um, even after we discover our Galatians 2.20 testimony, there may be other lessons that God wants to teach us, such as the need for freedom in Christ. And uh, taking that meaningful step of replacing lies with truth is another important process to move forward in our spiritual journey. And not to get too vulnerable here, but you helped me with this just a few months ago when I myself was going through some personal stuff and uh, from my past. And, and I was really, you know, several nights of not being able to sleep. And, and I knew that this was a spiritual thing. And you mentioned the seven steps to me. But one of the things that was very helpful for me, so this might be helpful for someone, 
because if you remember, I even said to you, uh, the person that was that, that kind of given me this angst, I had forgiven them. But you had mentioned, and the seven steps walks you through that as well, but not just the forgiving of the person, but the, also the forgiving of what the person took from me. Forgiving, you know, maybe even how I felt and just some of those things. And that was, that was it. That was really what brought peace back to me was, you know, I knew, I thought, I, I have forgiven this person, but all of the stuff surrounding that I had not. So I just wanted to say that maybe to someone's listening and you're saying that and they're like, yeah, I have forgiven the person who's wronged me, but I still do not feel free. And I just think that's something maybe to to look at because the biggest freedom step is the losing of your self-life. And some of that self-life is the residual effect of maybe some of this unforgiveness and unbelief that you have. Um, you know, one of the talks I sometimes do when I travel is I like to use the story of Lot. And I like to show how he struggled with belief and unbelief. Because if you uh, look in Hebrews, right, the children of Israel lingered in the wilderness. The Bible says, I think it's Hebrews 3, because of their unbelief. And, you know, when Lot hears the angels say they're going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, he believes. Because when they say, is there anyone else outside of your wife and daughters, he goes and tells his daughters to be husbands. You know, they laugh at him. So he believed. But then it was really interesting because... The Bible says he lingered. And I want to say this to all of our listeners. You won't live in victory if you linger in unbelief. It's impossible. So why would you stay in a place that God says he's going to destroy? I think that is a lot of people listening to the podcast today. You are lingering in an area of unbelief. And by unbelief, I am not talking about unbelief as Jesus as your Lord, Savior in life. I'm talking about unbelief. Can Jesus actually do something with this situation that I'm currently in, with my family, with my job, in a relationship? You know, I think it was you that said unforgiveness is like drinking poison, hoping it affects someone else. That's not going to work. No, it doesn't. And so you have to come to a place to where you're asking yourself, do I really believe and I think the deeper word that I said just a second ago, it's not do I believe, do I trust? Because if you don't trust, and here's what you're going to do, just like Lot, when the angels say, go to the mountain, like I can't go to the mountain, I'm going to die. Is there anyone else like me that says, hey, Lot, if you stay in the city, you're going to die. So if God wants you to die, I'll kill you in the city. Why would he send you the mountain to die? Let's have some logic here. So if God can save you from the city, he can save you from the mountain and on the way to the mountain and anything within the mountain. But he compromises to go to Zor, a little small place. And what happens? Because he compromised, his wife looks back. She's commanded not to. Boom, pillar salt. What do his daughters do? They get him drunk, get to know him in a biblical way, and have sons that are going to be the enemies of the children of Israel for the rest of the Old Testament. All because of unbelief. And so this one is really important as we are understanding this freedom that we have in Christ and being crowded, again, through these life experiences and through these, you know, these spiritual things. We're talking now about the uppermost uh, triangle, so to speak. And Mrs. Solomon, who taught this diagram, called it mini crosses, where God will use additional challenges, whether it's in your family or your personal health or finances or other trials to take us deeper into this not I but Christ walk. 
So that uh, sermon that you preached, Mark, about Lot, I think is an example where God just taught you through your devotions about another layer of what this means. And by the way, friends, that message is on our audio channel at Grace Fellowship, um, where Mark expands on that. And so you and I are going to continue to have opportunities uh, to see that God will use providential pressure or simply inviting us directly to the Word to learn these things. But going back to the Ellie Maxwell book called Crowded to Christ, can I read a quote here about just the concept of how often God will use our disappointments um, as stepping stones to discovery? He says this in page 14 of his book, It is a blessed day, and with many persons it is a blessed crisis, a crisis followed by a process. When they thus die and are shut up to their union with Christ in death and resurrection— most Christians are not brought into the overcoming life without passing through afflictions, both external and internal. So we are saying that uh, suffering is not something that we have to do to merit these blessings. They're already freely given to us in Christ, mm-hmm. but often That's due good. to the world, the flesh, and the devil, we're like sheep that tend to go astray. God will then use various uh, circumstances and challenges to remind us of our need for Him, not only in terms of salvation— but in terms of surrender, identification with our Lord, freedom in Christ, and ongoing daily surrendering and trusting. Right, because Christ alone is our source for living. Amen. Anything else is not going to work. As a pastor, Mark, uh, in Ontario, um, Linda and I were blessed uh, with a wonderful experience in Montreal and in Ontario. But after a number of years, God really challenged me about uh, offering some leadership to the church to be more effective in disciple-making and starting small groups and things like that. But you may have noticed that change is not something that most of us enjoy. It's kind of threatening. And as the church was going through some growing pains, there was some pushback, and I felt rejected. I felt discouraged, and and that was a brokenness chapter in my life where I had some self-pity and doubt, and my identity somewhat was geared to me being a pastor. Mm. So I thought, if this this gets off the rails, then who am I? And so God actually used a worship experience of a concert called God With Us that just got my eyes off of my circumstances and self-pity back on to the Lord where Mm -hmm. it needed to be. So we're going to continue to have these trials, but isn't it wonderful that as we're abiding in Christ, then these will become growing pains. Um, Some of our listeners are moms, and going through the the, uh, birthing process, there are contractions. Um, Sorry, ladies, to remind you of this, but these uh, painful contractions are not meant to cause pain in and of itself, but they are productive uh, contractions so that this baby goes through the birth canal and then has a whole new realm of life and growth. And same in a similar way, you and I are going through sometimes these canals you know, of, of compression and stress and challenges, not to hurt us, but so that we can have a new realm of growth and freedom. So good. And if you think about it, that bottom triangle would be justification, The triangles to surrender, identification, and liberation is really a part of our sanctification, all by grace. And that leads us to this top triangle that's glorification. We do have this good news to look forward to, right? That we will be saved from the very presence of sin. I'm uh, doing my quiet times right now. I'm kind of slow walking through Romans again. Just being reminded that the sufferings of today, friends is not even comparable to the glory that is to come. 
So whatever you're going through, and and for some of you, I bet it is a lot. I don't want to minimize that. It's it's tough. But it is nothing compared to the glory which is to come. Amen. And that final threshold of death is a trial. It's a crowding to Christ process where we are reaffirming our hope in the Lord that to be absent from the body is to be present with Him. And as you know, Mark, when we teach through this in a seminar format, we call it uh, the Finding Peace Seminar. Mm -hmm. So those of you who might like to hear a full-length teaching on this, um, in our store we call it the Christ is Life Conference, which is a um, a little bit longer explanation. And then the Finding Peace is a seminar that we we're currently doing where we talk about this amazing topic. Yeah. Anything else on this that we haven't covered that you think is important for us to know? Well, if you picture the idea of this Christmas tree with one triangle over another, if if you imagine them as cones, sometimes um, one or two of these cones might collapse on on each other. For example, someone of you who are listening to this broadcast, you might say, well, I was crowded to Christ as Savior, but right at that time, I was all in. I was fully surrendered. So sometimes a couple of these triangles, like cones, can kind of coincide. Yeah. Or others of you might say, well, it was when... I was a believer for a number of years, and I realized I couldn't live the Christian life on my own strength. And then I surrendered, and I also was learning about identification. And so that may have happened around the same time. Yeah. So we're not saying that there has to be a particular period of time between these. We're looking at it more in terms of uh, of the themes, but yeah. sometimes uh, they do overlap and coincide. That's a good point. That's a good point. Thanks for bringing that up. Well, it's usually now at this time of the podcast that we have a glimpse of grace John, you and I were talking about this before we hit the record button, but I had a really cool call not too long ago that I wanted to share with everybody. Uh, you know, from a person who you know, was struggling with some anxiety issues, some insomnia, and a lot of our listeners we find really have some issues with sleep, and that's very common for those that are uh, depressed and or anxious. And got on YouTube, uh, looked up some things and came to Aaron Kim's video. And for those of you that may not know Aaron, you can go back to episode number four and listen to his glimpse of grace that we talk about with him. Uh, But you can also go on YouTube and just search Aaron Kim. I'll put a link to that in uh, the description, show description for you to be able to use that. And it's really cool, John, even you and I getting to have conversations with Aaron. What a great guy. Mm -hmm. But she listened to Aaron bought Handbook to Happiness, which is uh, kind of the foundational book of spiritual therapy, which is what we use as our counseling methodology here. When when this person called, I, I, it was really amazing because basically the comment was, I finished the book on Christmas Eve morning, and I realized I died, and now I don't know where to go. And really what this person was saying is, I think I'm realizing that this old version of me is gone, being crowded to the cross of surrender and and perhaps even identification. Of course, this person will enter into our counseling ministry and find out all this stuff. And and, and maybe what you said, those cones are going to collapse on one another. Maybe some of those are happening at the same time. But it was really interesting to hear this person say, you know, I'm not sure if I'm on the banks of the Jordan looking over into the promised land or have I already crossed and I'm looking back just not knowing which way to go. And I know for some of you that are listening, you're like, what are you talking about? We need to make that a future 
episode, we have a talk uh, that we talk about going from Egypt to Canaan, really the, the, the voyage, the journey, right, of being born again and then entering into your identification. But it was just a really great time talking to this person and really praying that everything's just really going to come alive for them in this counseling time that they'll have. By the way, Mark, uh, when she sent in her paperwork to have some guidance sessions, remember what she said about um, the struggles she had leading up to that discovery. Mm-hmm. That sounds like being crowded. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Well. 100%. Well, before we go, we want to make you aware of a couple of things. Number one is we have uh, a seminar. You were talking about the Finding Peace seminar, Dr. John, but this one is Finding Joy coming up on Saturday, February the 24th. It's going to be at New Beginnings Baptist Church in Corrington, Tennessee. So if you're anywhere near us in Tennessee, we would love for you to sign up. Go to our website, www.gracefellowshipinternational.com. Go to events, and you can sign up, register, pay for this. It's going to be a great time. Both Dr. John and I will be there. Uh, It is from 9 o'clock in the morning till 4.30 in the afternoon. You're going to get a lot of great teaching. Uh, It's going to be a great event. And by the way, for those of you that are outside of Tennessee, I got a question for you. If we were to live stream this event, would you attend So uh, I'll put that question in on uh, the show description as well so you can uh, let me know. Or if you are on a platform that does not support that, uh, send us an email, hello at gracefellowshipinternational.com, and say, hey, I'd love to do that. Tell me how to, and we're going to see if we can get that going. Do a little test run here. So let us know if that's something that you're interested in. And then also another event coming up March the 4th through the 7th is the Exchanged Life Workshop located at First Baptist Church in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee, which is just right next to our office. Dr. John, this is your favorite event we do. we got three of them coming up this year. This is the first one. Tell everybody a little bit of what they can expect. Yes, sir. A wonderful four days together with those who are appreciating this message and want to have kind of a boot camp in spiritual therapy to learn how to help others with the Christ-centered counseling model. As you know, Mark, uh, we teach, we um, equip, we demonstrate, we do some role-playing. There's uh, practice sessions uh, with the students uh, interacting with each other. And by the end of day four, we're having uh, a revival and just celebrating the goodness of God's grace. So um, we love for those of you who want to be equipped in Christ-centered counseling to take a look at the workshop. Thank you for listening to Glimpses of Grace. We pray today guided you into a more complete and victorious identity in Christ. If you would like more information about Grace Fellowship International, please visit us online at www.gracefellowshipinternational.com. If you would like to contact us, please send us an email, hello at gracefellowshipinternational.com. We hope you have a great day.